Ooh. It's Halloween, kids. Get some damn candy. Yeah. This is Kofo Live and Undead. I am your host, Daniel Crozier, and I am joined by Brian Bonner and Bob Lewis. Oh, Can't complain. Not nearly as energetic as you are. No, I, I'm not even going to try to top that. Oh, uh, just, uh, just get a little bit more candy in your system, right? Yeah. If by candy you mean whiskey and a little bit more you mean several bottles, I might be able to. All right. Hook up that IV. That we could do. Nice. Uh, gentlemen, it's, it's great to have you on. Uh, you know, so, well, I saw you at uh, an exorcist screening last week with uh, the new Believer film, and then I, I don't remember course, that. I'm trying to block it. Yeah, I I don't blame you. Um, and then, of course, you know, working with you guys on uh, Colorado Festival of Horror again this year. Good lord, I still got uh, brain fog from that. Yeah, it, it. I agree. I'm still burnt out from it. Yeah, yeah. And then Speaking of. Nice, nice, nice. I nice came prepared. I, I just got a shirt that says pew pew. So, oh, yeah, wrong team. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, guys, you guys got a, a wonderful new book out the uh, case files of uh, the Rocky Mountain Paranormal Research Society, volume one. Oh my god, this is a nice, girthy book, too. It is a thick monster. And that, and that was after I worked very hard to figure out uh, the appropriate font size and margins to get it down from the <laughs> 500 pages it was going to be. <laughs> nice. It sounds like it's going to be a, like a Game of Thrones tomb right there. It's getting there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> e except, except I can write faster than uh, George Martin does. Yeah. True, true. I think, yeah. Good. Good for you. That's a good skill to have. Now, we definitely don't have an end insight on it either, so there's nice, that nice. shared. Nice. Uh, gentlemen, uh, yeah, tell us a little bit about yourself, you know, where you come from and, and how you got uh, interested in doing, like, paranormal uh, research. You know, Bob, can Lost a bet. <laughs> I always say bad choices of drinking, but <laughs> go for it, Bob. Well, um, honestly... I think Brian's story is a bit more interesting. Mine is just that I'm a lifelong horror nerd. Yeah. And I like spooky things and whatever switch in the brain makes people run away from scary things. Mine goes in the wrong direction. And I wanted to go and find the ghosts or the aliens or the monsters. Nice. And I have a science background. So I like to look at it from a scientific skeptical, but not cynical scientific perspective. Okay. And I'm a history nerd, so looking into the histories of the places uh, gets me all kind of excited too. So, nice horror, science, history. Nice. You end up doing this kind of stuff. If you get into this and you don't become a history nerd, there's a problem because it's it's just an accidental thing that happens because the history is so well important to the ghost stories and just so interesting regardless of the ghost stories. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that's one of the things that you'll you'll notice in the in the book is there's a lot of ghost stories in there, but in some of the cases, 
the the history section ends up being a lot longer than the ghost story section just because there's such a rich history on some of these locations. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, Brian, with, with you, I mean, you, you're pretty well uh, known throughout the, the community here. Yeah. As you know, one, as a historian, as, as you guys have been uh, you know talking about, but uh, you know, what, what really, you know, kind of drew you in uh, to this, uh, this type of research. Let's see. I'm going to use my, my stock answer. Cause I like to <laughs> um, back when I was uh, a wee one, as they say, um, my mother was a huge, huge horror movie buff. Cool. And my father owned his own business, so he wasn't around all the time. He was working. Uh, so she wanted somebody to watch horror movies with. And strangely enough, I got flagged for that one. And, you know, when you're five years old and watching The Exorcist, it's not always a good mix. So she had to say, okay, well, you know, this, it's not real. Yeah. This, this has been made up. This is... This is how movies are made. This is how special effects are done. This is how you turn somebody into the horror nerd that you see right here. Uh, but then I started watching these movies years later, and they're like inspired by actual events based on a true story. Like, well, now, now hold on a minute. I didn't think any of this was real. Yeah. So I started looking into it, and you know, it was strange because at the time, twenty-five years ago, um, there wasn't a lot of people doing it. It wasn't the pop culture phenomenon that it is now. So it was like, okay, let's start a group. Let's get this thing going so we can find out, you know, what's the truth. And yeah, like I say, 25 years, bad choices. And here we are. Nice. So and that, that's how, uh, you know, the, the Rocky Mountain uh, Paranormal Research Society got started. Exactly. Nice. Is it, uh, you know, Brian, uh, you know, Bob, is it just, uh, you know, the two of you or is, you know, is it a larger group? We have some, we have some people that we work with, uh, mm -hmm. but we try to keep it small. Uh, a lot of groups, I mean, we've got, you know, four or five people that we kind of work with together. Yeah. Fairly but, regularly. But the thing is, most paranormal groups kind of drive themselves on membership. Oh. And if we if we did, we've found that the more people you have at an investigation, the more likely you're going to be tainting your own evidence. There's too oh. many people to control, too much noise, too much going on. Whereas if it's just a couple, you know, handful of people, you're fine. Yeah. Uh Bob can give you a good example of an audio recording that we listened to that uh, mm -hmm. is a great example of why you don't bring lots of people. Ooh. Yeah, this this was a uh, an audio tape from a, a different paranormal group that they left their audio tape at the the place, and then when we came in, we they they didn't come back to claim it, so we listened to it. And one thing about paranormal investigation is just it's not as sexy as it sounds. A lot of it involves you know, putting the headphones on and sitting there for hours listening to nothing happen or watching nothing happen. And as I was doing that, I noticed that this particular group, the ghost could have walked right up to the microphone and introduced himself and started reciting Shakespeare. And you never would have known because the investigators themselves never shut up long enough to actually record anything. Oh, they're they're complaining about the software on their computers and just jibber jabbering through the whole thing. And yeah, who, who knows what's actually happening in the background because they never shut up long enough to to recording of what they were supposed to be there to record. Oh, that's too bad. So you know, kind of would it would that be uh, you know fair to say you know kind of an amateurish uh, you know approach that they took? Uh, I'd say it's the. Unfortunately, the predominant way that they did it. Uh, yeah. I mean, yes, it is amateurish, but a lot, even a lot of the people that call themselves professionals, behave in an amateurish sort of way a lot of the time. Exactly. Right. Um, you know, with, with the uh, with the the new book, you know, can you guys you know talk about uh, you know some of the case studies that uh, you know really stood out that made its way into the book? Uh, well, there's there's a lot of good ones. I yeah. Uh, so there's uh, just to start off, it's it's um, 27 chapters. 
along with a couple of extra essays. Some of them overlap a little bit and some of them aren't uh, like famous cases. Some of them are just sort of media analyses or, or experiments we've done. So it probably ends up being 24, 25 of the real cases, something like yeah. that. Um, in and, and I probably don't have time to list them all, but uh, just to mention a favorite, one of my favorites is uh, Cheeseman Park, Denver's Ooh. Cheeseman Park, yep. which a lot of people know at least part of the story. But for those who don't know, the very short version is before it was a park, it was a graveyard, Denver's first cemetery. And before it was Denver's first cemetery, it was a cemetery. It was a Native American burial ground for the Arapaho. They gave it, depending on your definition of the word gave, to the right. city of Denver in a, in a land grant. And their conditions were, you know, here's the land. First of all, don't put a graveyard there because we've put a graveyard there. But if you do, only bury people about three feet deep rather than six feet because our people are under there and we don't want you to dig them up. Mm. The city of Denver honored half of that arrangement. They did immediately turn it into a graveyard, but they did bury them three feet down. Oof. Over time, the graveyard fell into disrepair and they decided they were going to turn it into a park. And there's a whole long history. That's almost like 50 pages of the book. So I'm shortening this a lot. Yeah. But the uh, to make a very long story very short, the process of removing the graves to move them to a different cemetery to turn it into a park. Mm -hmm. I think the word is cattywampus. Everything that possibly could go wrong went wrong. They had uh, grave robbers, a lot of them. The people who knew who their people were, got their people out and relocated them. But Denver was a pass-through town at the time, so a lot of the people buried there didn't have anyone left to claim the bodies. So they had to hire an undertaker to mm. exhume all the bodies, move them off to a different cemetery. Turns out there was also a casket shortage at the time. Oh. So he's been remembered as the evil undertaker for breaking apart all the bodies and putting them in children's caskets, which Ooh. is what he did. But it wasn't him that did it. It was, well, I mean, he did it, but he was acting on the authority of the, the city of Denver. They told right. him, we don't have enough caskets. We got a surplus of these children's caskets. We'll pay you extra, figure it out. And so that's what he did. And at the same time, the Chinese community were relocating a bunch of their people back to the homeland in China, mm. but they only wanted the bones. So they're scraping the bones clean because this was traditional Chinese religion. You want the bones. You don't really care about uh, anything else. Yeah. So all of this is going on. The uh, The newspaper of the time, the Denver Republican, publishes a, a headline that says, The Work of Ghouls, and details the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And the city said, enough is enough. If you're in, you're in. If you're out, you're out. We're sealing this thing. We're just going to put the, the park over whoever's left. Okay. Wow. So there are a, estimates vary, but around 3,000 bodies still under Cheeseman Park. Mm, and weird. occasionally they pop up yep. for various reasons, partially because they're buried shallowly. We got involved when they were redoing some uh, sprinklers in the park Ooh. and they dug up some bodies. And, uh, Brian, do you want to do you want to explain how we got involved at that uh, point? I'll, I'll just give it a short version here. Um, we we found out about it. Normally, you don't find out about that kind of a thing. Yeah, particularly because there are yep. natives under there. They want to keep it quiet. They always keep it really quiet when people find bones there. But this time, uh, I'll I'll leave this part of the story out because it's a long one. But we found out about it. So we got a whole... It's a funny story, but buy the book to get the, the details. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, in, in finding out about it, we called up the medical examiner's office and said, you know, hey, this is Rocky Mountain Paranormal, and we found out about these bodies. They hung up on us. <laughs> so so we, we came up with a plan, and the plan was we called them up and said, okay, don't hang up. We know that you found some bodies over at the park, we would like to bring in some forensic anthropologists and students to examine the bodies, to be oh, able cool. to identify them, to work with them, to maybe give some history to them. And they fell for it. So we got to spend time 
going into the coroner's office and actually working on the bodies. Wow. So an experience that you don't you which? there's there's one there's, right there's there. one of them in the book. And you know, that's something that you just don't normally get to do in the paranormal world is you hear about the bodies, but you never actually get to see them. Yeah. And then people ask us that question. They're like, you know, do you talk to the dead? Well, right. Yeah, a lot. They never answer. <laughs> uh, except this once. This time they gave us a lot of details about their lives and what they, you know, what they did, who they were. So it was the one time we were truly able to talk to the dead and get a response. When when you say you know get a response, is that you know like you know, uh, like the condition of the body, you know, some of the artifacts that were with them, or did you actually like you know were you able to like record audio or you know yeah have have a little bit of that? We were able to figure out the history of these people based on what the forensic anthropologists discovered. Nice. So, nice. you know, we knew the ethnicity, the possible uh, jobs that these people may have had based on their injuries, right. uh, maybe what they'd done throughout their lives, the conditions, what they died of, things like that. Uh, I was absolutely blown away by what you can come up with just by having bones. Yeah. And, and, it, and it's important that it was just bones. There was very little soft tissue. There was one little piece of brain lining was the only soft tissue they found. Yep. And little, also not very many artifacts. And that's because they were so shallowly buried. Everything had just went away. Gone away. Right. Okay. Well, and that's one of the reasons that one of the many reasons that they were having problems with the caskets is every casket that was underground pretty much had to be replaced because it had disintegrated. Nice along with the people wow. that were in it. Yeah. Oh, geez. Uh, that's, that's pretty intense, but you know, yeah. Cheeseman park is, you know, has such a, you know, history, uh, yeah, you know, with, with Denver. Um, mm -hmm. wow. That's, it's cool that it's, uh, that it's in there and, and, you know, you've got like, uh, like Brian or Bob was saying, you know, 50 pages just on, on that, uh, that case. Um, yes, something like, yeah. Yeah, we, uh, you know, can you uh, you know, talk about you know maybe an another case? Uh, Brian, your your turn. What's what's one of your favorites out of the book? My turn. Uh, they're they're all my favorite. So we're just gonna Aww. have to start at the beginning and work our way through. Uh, I don't know. There's so many in there that uh, I'll I'll bring up one that Bob will like though. Um, we had. A I know which one you're going for. Yeah, we had a private investigation. Yeah, find the picture. Um, <laughs> on it. Oh, I figured you had a print. Uh, we had an investigation at a private residence and lots of bizarre claims going on in the home. But after spending a considerable amount of time listening to ghost stories and hearing all these people tell me about the one haunted location and then having to go into that location and sit in the dark with them because they were afraid to go to bed without somebody to protect them. And, uh, there, there's Brian sitting in the dark. Yep. There I am sitting in the dark. Nice. That's not the picture, but I'll let no. you finish the story. And then I got the picture. So while I was sitting in the dark, uh, I had the distinct feeling of something kind of slapping me in the face. Oh, huh. uh, okay. I don't know what it was. There's nothing on the video except me looking like a complete moron. Yeah, what uh, you see on the video was a video version of that still image of just Brian sitting there. Yeah, just me sitting there. Well, that's actually from the video. Uh, it, yeah. But, but the thing is, I don't know what it was. Uh, it just stopped all of a sudden. Uh but I'm, I'm not going to jump to the conclusion that it was a ghost, even though I like to say I was slapped by a ghost. Uh, because I do have to take into consideration all of those factors I was leading into. I'd been up for, you know, 30 some hours straight. I'd been eating junk food all day. I'd been listening to people tell me ghost stories about this room. And now I'm going to go sit in the dark in that room and wait for the ghost to do something. Yeah. Not a good psychological setup. But at the same time, it makes a great story. And... You know, okay, maybe something hit me, but we have an artist interpretation of this 
that his uh, we had a uh, a, a great artist named uh, Aaron Bordner who did internal illustrations for the book for the private investigations because we didn't have a lot of photos to share because we don't want to push identifying information for the private cases. So we had artists illustrate and we, he illustrated Brian getting slapped by the ghost, which is one of my favorite pieces. <laughs> that's great. Oh, that's a, that's an awesome illustration. Yeah, I need to frame that and put it up on my wall. He did some fun. Yeah. Work. Nice. Wow. That's, that, that that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, pretty intense. So it, it sounds like that, uh, you know, when, when you go in and, and do uh, an investigation, you know, being in the, in the right state of mind and, uh, you know, having, you know, maybe, you know, not eating so much junk food or, you know, uh, getting uh, enough rest, that's you know, would you say that's key? You're, you're speaking weird words there. I don't understand <laughs> junk food and rest. Uh Unfortunately, part of the problem is you're doing these things usually overnight. Right. And sleep deprivation and junk food just kind of comes along with it. Okay. But you need to at least account for that when you're thinking about what might have happened when you get slapped in the face by the ghost. Exactly. Right. Okay. And yeah, that, that's the important thing. I mean, regardless of what happens or what we see or hear or people yeah. tell us, we still have to stay on the fence and be able to look at it critically without jumping to a conclusion or we're not going to get real results. Yeah. When, when you're, uh, you know, doing an investigation, when you're, uh, you know, kind of, you know, looking at the, uh, you know, all the different avenues that, uh, what are the situation, you know, might present, do you find, you know, more often than not that, uh, you know, it's, you know, you, you, you don't usually find, uh, you know, something like paranormal, there's, there's usually, you know, some type of reasonable explanation. Well, there's a good mix of, yeah. there are, I would say probably about a third of the time we just don't see whatever was claimed. It, okay. was just, it didn't happen while we were there. Probably about a third of the time we see something happen or, or hear something happen or whatever we can document it, but we can find the, the rational, natural explanations for it. And then probably another third of the time, it's something weird happens. And I'm not ready to say it's a ghost. Right. Because the ghost did not come up and introduce himself. But something really weird happened that we have at least not yet been able to explain. And I think that's one thing that really makes us different than a lot of other groups is we're willing to say we don't know what it was. And we're going to keep looking into it without automatically jumping to the it is or it isn't. Right. We just want to know more, collect more data and try and figure out what's going on. Yeah. And we've had some that we looked at for years and eventually right. managed to figure out just because the conditions had to be just so. So it took years to figure out what was happening. Exactly. And there are others that we've been looking into for a long time. And we still have some mysteries that we have not, at least not yet, been able to solve. Yeah. Wow. That's uh, that's pretty wild. Um yeah, yeah. Before we went on uh, live, we were talking about uh, you know how how thick the you know the book is and stuff, and that uh, you know uh, I think uh, Brian, you mentioned that you've got enough. Uh, you, you guys have done enough investigations to to fill like you know three and a half, four books. Um, yeah, we, we've outlined, we've fully outlined three, wow. and we're working on the outline of the fourth. Oh my gosh! But also, like we were talking about before we we started that just doesn't even really scratch the surface of all the, the claims that are out there. So right, there's more than a lifetime's worth of work that we're still working on. Yeah. The, uh, you know, for, for the, the, uh, the stuff that you're, you're still working on, are there any like, uh, cases that, uh, you know, yeah, you can't wait, uh, to, to share with, with other people, some of your findings. We tend to, if we have weird findings, we tend to go out to get people's opinions on them. So they, people tend to find out about it right after mm -hmm. it happens. Uh, but a lot of our private cases are, you know, we're, we're scraping the information off of them to make them private. Uh, so I think those are going to be fun to share. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And for sure, there are some that we have not worked on yet that I'm itching to get into as soon as we can find the right permissions to get into the, 
the locations. Yeah. Nice. Absolutely. I, I still want to do a paranormal investigation at the Titanic. Uh, of the Titanic? I, just, I But yeah, but... Wow. But apparently, just being a billionaire isn't enough to safely get you there. So no. that that might no, no. That, they, that's they, a bucket they, list clearly, item. Clearly, they cut corners. Yeah, I was gonna say I know who we don't use as the transport. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and and if being a billionaire isn't enough to guarantee safety on an expedition, I'm a poor boy. My pocketbook is not going to get me there. Yeah, I get that. Join the navy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think uh, they would have me. Yeah, well, you know, they, who who knows? They they might take anybody at this, you know. Um, wow, that 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 would that would be pretty interesting, you know, doing an uh, an underwater investigation. Have you guys ever attempted something that that dealt with a body of water like a lake or a river? Oh, uh, not to any extreme. Mm -hmm. I mean, we, there are some lake monster esque uh, cryptids mm -hmm. in Colorado that we've lightly touched on but yeah water is kind of a, uh, a a unique thing and while colorado has a lot of water it doesn't have a lot of paranormal water i guess okay interesting uh so so colorado doesn't have a lot of yeah, paranormal water um you know would that like relate to like uh you know just uh, ghost stories happening out uh, on those, or is well, it like some type of like ley line? What are those ley lines? That sort of thing. Well, I'm thinking more of, you know, we investigate any type of paranormal claims, so we're not talking right. about just ghosts. We're talking about, you know, weird sightings of UFOs or, oh, okay. or cryptids. Right. Oh, so, you know, if there's a if there's a lake monster or a, uh, a, a Bigfoot of sorts, you know, something like that. That definitely takes us out into the uh, the the wild where we don't normally do an investigation. Okay, and, and it's just a lot harder because ghost stories tend to be confined to a, a specific building, right? Or maybe a specific graveyard or something. But if you want to look into Bigfoot, yeah. who the hell knows where that guy's hiding out? Yeah, you gotta you gotta really uh, map out his migration patterns. Well, and that's the problem with any cryptid is you really have to look at the the claims and maybe current you know, eyewitness reports right. to see where you can even start looking for them. Yeah, because it's, it's a big outdoors out there, and yeah. and the cryptids aren't that big. Well, with something like uh, like Sasquatch, when it comes to cryptids. You know, you know, there's there's different versions of Sasquatch that exist in, in every state in the U.S. Is there something like a, a cryptid that you've investigated that's a little bit more unique to Colorado? Uh, Not that we've really investigated. Okay, um, we've got a few in the works though. Ooh, they're they're the um, you know we have uh, stories of Tommy Knockers in some of the old mines. Right. We have Bigfoot sightings. The one that's sort of unique to Colorado that I've uncovered just in the lore is called the Slide Rock Bolter. Yes! Which is a, uh, like a land whale that would, would yep. come down the mountain and attack the, the miners. Yeah. Now, I, um, as an artist, I've been asked to illustrate, uh, you know, uh, cryptids. In, you know, I usually, when it comes to Colorado, I usually illustrate that guy. He's, he's, he's the, the Colorado unique one for sure. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, no, there haven't been any sightings for something like 150 years, so there's not right, much for us to right. look into. I say right. we have a movement to adopt a squonk. <laughs> What's that? Adopt a what? A squonk. Ooh, I think okay. You need to yeah, uh, Brian, I'm not familiar. The squonk is a cryptid. Um, uh, where is the squonk? I don't remember. I think it might have been... Um, Pennsylvania, maybe? Yeah, I think you're right. Um, or, or maybe New England or somewhere in that sort of direction. This is a cryptid uh, <laughs> that is reportedly so ugly. Um, it's it's wrinkled. It's got warts on it. It's very self-conscious. Oh. It'll only come out at night. And it avoids water at all costs because it may see its own reflection. 
Ooh. Uh, people that hunt it, uh, they can find it because they can follow this trail of tears behind it because it cries all the time because of how depressed it is. Jeez. Uh, so much so that if you capture it, uh, it, it cries itself into a puddle, basically. And then the, the saddest part of them all, if you do, if they do end up in the water, they only have uh, uh, webbed feet on one side. So they just swim in a circle until they drown. Oh, geez. Wow. <laughs> That's wild. This sounds like the Eeyore of uh, cryptids. It really is. It they is. Big, they have a big festival for it. And I, I don't know. It just seemed like my spirit cryptid. So... <laughs> Nice, man. Uh, so there's an actual festival for this thing, man. This, yeah, they, this thing I just heard of. It's it's Squonk Palooza. Nice. Uh, I'm, I'm actually. I think it's cold. in Pennsylvania. Okay. It, it, yep, Johnstown, Pennsylvania. Wow. And it is Squonk Palooza. Man, that's cool. They have competitions to to complement the squonk to try to cheer it up. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you th exactly. You just tell it. You you try and bring it down from its its or bring it up from its sadness. Yeah, yeah. Kind of talk it off the ledge. You know, exactly. it's like, okay, buddy, you don't have to swim in circles. <laughs> but yeah, Colorado has. I mean, a fair share of cryptids, but the the bolter is definitely the the big one. Yeah. Um, but we're pretty high in ranking for Bigfoot sightings too. Right. Right. Yeah, um, what, what is it? Uh, isn't it like uh, the Pacific Northwest, you know, on through to, to Colorado? Exactly. Yeah. And and we are a UFO hotspot, mm -hmm. or as they say these days, UAP. Uh, <laughs> nice. The, the the UAP. Uh, yeah, that that's a new term, right? I, yeah, I'm not. From, up, I'm not up it's, to. It's to the same on. thing, but it's um, unidentified oh, aerial phenomenon. Exactly. Oh, okay. Yeah, UFO just had bad connotations to it. So when the feds decided that they were going to start looking into it again, they changed acronyms on us. Okay, nice. So uh, you know, when it comes to like uh, uh, UAPs, um, you know, have have you guys come across any uh, interesting investigations? A couple, uh, a couple. There's um, in the book we've touched on. Um, a, a little bit, sort of just getting around the edges of those in, in this first volume. There was one in Lafayette that turned out to be almost certainly uh, airplanes carrying heavy loads of water to put out some fires. Okay. Um, That's kind of been the thing with us, though, is most of the local UFO claims, uh -huh. because we, well, we like to look at the historical ones, especially with UFOs, UAPs, <laughs> Uh, the more current, the more likely you're going to be able to get some data because you weren't there when it happened and you're not going to be there again when it happened. So, you know, the more recent the, cl the claim, the more likely you're going to be able to find any kind of data about it. Yeah. And everyone that we've approached, even though some of the local media may not have agreed with us, um, we've definitely found explanations for them. Okay. There was also, we're not going to have any kind of time to get into it, but there was footage of an alien looking in a guy's window yep. that uh, we recreated the footage to prove that it could be done without a huge Hollywood budget. Right. Which also led us to wade into a political issue. There was people trying to create a governmental body called the Denver Extraterrestrial Affairs Commission. Oh, wow. And we ended up wading into that. So that'll end up being like 200 pages of a future volume of the book. Because that's a whole wow. long story. But, so we've, we've awesome. waded into that kind of stuff. Yeah, A lot of the UFOs are just, it was a meteor or it was a plane or whatever. And people just didn't recognize what it was. Well, right. generally are just, with any paranormal phenomenon, people are culturally biased to find something they they want yeah. to see it they expect to see it and with with all the tv shows and the books and the movies and everything 
they're constantly being inundated with this is what you're going to see. This is what it is. And the minute right. they do something they don't understand, they don't even question it. They just jump to the that's what it was. Right. The the, the, uh, the UFO I saw in my youth, though, that was an alien. Hundred <laughs> percent. Nice. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's you know a lot of people can't uh, don't seem to apply a lot of you know critical thought uh, thinking you know in in terms of like these situations you know. No, that's rare, and it's rare on both sides. You get the okay. hardcore believer who just won't even entertain that it could be not a ghost or not a UFO. Right. And then you've got the hardcore, very cynical skeptics that won't even entertain that it could possibly be. Right. And neither side is using critical thinking. They're they're fitting the evidence to a predetermined conclusion. Yeah. Okay. We look at something, we have to be neutral and say, could go either way, and we'll try to figure it out. Yeah. Just kind of go where the, the information takes you. Exactly. exactly. But a lot of people don't want it to have an explanation so if they do find one it's kind of depressing for them i mean i i'm mm. kind of like it's a scooby-doo moment it's like great we've just discovered this thing and it's really cool and yeah a lot of people their perspective on it is well you just took all the magic out of it oh and, and, and i sometimes i get that I usually usually the explanation ends up being pretty fun oh it right. is and that's the thing. I mean, from the, the inside perspective, being able to discover what it is that it really was is just as good as finding a ghost. Right. Um, right. Almost. Almost. If, no, if no. I actually found a ghost, I would be all kind of excited. Well, that's true. <laughs> wow. That, uh, yeah, that, that, that's pretty, uh, pretty interesting. You know, um, when, when you guys, uh, you know, like a new case gets introduced to you. How do you decide, you know, what case, you know, you go after? Like, yeah, you know, it sounds like you've got so many different case studies to, to work on at, at this point, you know, is, is there like any type of criteria well, that, we really, uh, that you apply? We really have to base it off of a few things. First of all, when we get an initial contact, usually it's an email and we have to look at that and go, A, does this sound like the person is on the level or maybe they have some sort of a issue? Mm, right. um, Which is but, fairly rare, but you got to watch out for it. Oh, it definitely sure. happens. But then we have to look at the case as we're talking to the people even and say, is this something that we may be able to just get people some help to cope with it? Or yeah. is this something that we may be able to go in and document? Right. If somebody tells me I'm, I'm all freaked out because I saw my dead grandmother at the end of my bed 25 years ago, I, I can't do anything about that. Enjoy the fact you saw your dead grandmother. That's all I have. Yeah. They say it happens every Thursday at 2.30 in the morning. We're mm. there. Got a schedule. So we've really got to filter through what's most likely going to be something that we're going to be able to witness, document, mm. and, you know, that's not always the case. Right. Right. Beyond that, honestly, we'll look into anything that somebody brings to us as long as we think it is something that we could document. On the occasion, and usually, honestly, people coming to us keeps our calendars pretty full. On the occasion that we reach out to somebody because there's a case that we want to look into, it's either just because it's an interesting story or enough people are talking about it or people are asking about it that it's sort of made it to the top of our to-do to -do list and we reach out and see if we can set something up. Nice. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah. The, yeah. I think, uh, yeah, this stuff is yeah so incredibly fascinating. I mean, it's, it's definitely you know outside of my uh, realm of of understanding. I, I'd love to you know spend a night with you guys. Uh, yeah, I, I guess you know kind of sitting around doing nothing and uh, listening for something you know uh, over the recorder. Um, but uh, or sometimes we'll uh, when people get uh, get tired and they need to take a break, we'll send them into the most haunted room and they get to sleep in the haunted room and be bait for whatever's supposed to be there. Nice, nice. Well, that's usually uh, my role. It's like, hey, you know, 
you've got a little girth to you. Go get fed to this thing. <laughs> <laughs> Just my luck, the, the rock bolter shows up and stuff. Like, well, what happened with Dan? Well, he's now well. Worth it. <laughs> <laughs> we went fishing. Land, land. Right. Uh, that, that's always enjoyable. Um, so, uh, you know, for, for everybody that's, that's tuning in tonight, you know, make sure you go and, uh, you know, get your copy of, uh, you know, the, the case studies. Uh, it's, it's a fantastic read. Yeah. Case files of the Rocky, uh, Rocky mountain paranormal research society volume one. I'm glad you went with the shorter title. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it only fills up a quarter of the page. Yeah. Well, yeah. just. The name of the society is most of the title. That you know, we we couldn't really shorten that part. So then it's like, okay, just add case files. Yeah. What what was it for the two of you? Like uh, this is kind of a new endeavor, right? Writing a book together. What was you know, the creative process like for that? So it it started as um, when I had come on board with the the society uh, a yeah. few years back, and then after pandemic ended, we were talking about what's next what do we do to sort of get back into things and one of the thoughts that came up was we've got all these stories let's put out a book yeah originally it was a book and then as we started outlining it's like that book's gonna be that book's gonna be like this this is yeah. this is not a book this is a, a series so we divided them up into volumes and then the uh, the the writing process was mostly, uh, Brian's notes from all the files because he he's been at it for longer than I have. Yeah. And then I took his notes. I wrote up a first draft, and then it was back and forth, correcting and and getting everything just so. Nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. With that in the future volumes, have you guys figured out like uh, it's like okay, what works, what doesn't work for you? I. I I think it was a good process. I mean, yeah, we, I think it worked. We, nice. We, it, it worked the first time, so let's not break it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if it's not broken, you know, don't fix it. Nice, right. cool. I, I think on some of them, uh, some of the stories are going to require more direct, active sort of sitting by side by side collaboration, right. just because some of the stories are um, better documented than others in terms of what we have on video and versus what's just sort of trapped in Brian's memory from some of the ones that I wasn't present for. Yeah. But other than those, I think the process works. Cool. Cool. Well, that's an important part to me too, is to get it out of here and into the world because right. I want people to know these stories and, you know, 50 years from now, if I'm not here, they're gone. But if they're in a book, somebody right. has a copy of it. But There's one that involved uh, performing an exorcism by f using Fruit Loops. That's true. That uh, for a whole bunch of reasons that involve us not taking somebody else's name in vain, that's right. never been really <laughs> written down or documented. So, wow, yeah, that'll be that'll be one that we need to get out of Brian's head and onto the page before that. that before it gets the, lost. The, the premise sounds, uh, you know, amazing. It, it was as ridiculous as it sounds. We have so many wacky adventures that we've done. And a lot of them, and I think Bob had a good point. I think there's going to be a sub book in this series that's just crazy things that happened while we were doing this. Nice. Yeah. Just, yeah, nothing to do with the paranormal, but just the misadventures. You put yourself into weird Brian. situations. <laughs> was that the misadventures of Bob and Brian? It sounds like exactly. it should be a comic book series. Yeah, it's like you, you put yourself into a weird situation, and weird things are going to happen. Yeah, wow, well, that's that's pretty cool. I found myself saying that over the years. You know, it's just like all of a sudden, I'm like, how did I get into this situation? Why am I here? It this is so cool. It could never happen again. Right. <laughs> Two weeks right. later. Wow, this is really cool. <laughs> it's, but it just never stops. But you have to remember the the very important advice. When uh, we were actually, it was on the same case that involved the Fruit Loops. We reached out to a psychiatrist for ethical advice to see have have we gone too far with this thing? Ooh. And he asked one question. He said, "Was it funny?" 
<laughs> yes, it was. Then we're okay. <laughs> then you're fine. No problem. <laughs> that's 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 hilarious. Yeah, I can't I uh, can't wait to to read that. Uh, you know that volume. That that's that sounds like it's going to be you know yeah pretty uh, yeah uproarious. Um, God, that's that's cool. Uh, Brian, Bob, uh, we're we're about out of time. Where can uh -oh. people go to follow you? Uh, uh, too many places. Yeah, they can. Uh... <laughs> We're at RockyMountainParanormal.com. We're on Facebook. We're on what was known as Twitter. We're on Threads. We're on uh, Instagram. Instagram. We're on Slasher. Um, you can for, for Rocky uh, Mountain Paranormal. Just sort of search for Rocky Mountain Paranormal on whatever social media of of preference, and we're there. Exactly. Uh, plus, we have uh, the the publisher polymath press which is where you can go and get a copy um and that's, and that's all... scrolling across the bottom of the screen and also look for polymath press on whatever social media exactly uh or we also have uh a few other things bob has a youtube channel uh phobophile phobophile p-h-o-b-o-p-h-i-l-e dot com it's it's all horror reviews and interesting horror stuff all the time reviews and commentaries of horror stuff yeah we have a podcast uh do you like scary movies at do you like scary movies.com um and we interview people in the horror genre actors producers directors musicians artists authors authors anything weird we're we're interviewing the people Nice. And I am also the co-host of another podcast uh, called They Did It, which is a conspiracy podcast. Uh, so we talk about all the weird conspiracies and the truth behind them and the weird stories behind them. And that's at the um, it's at they did it podcast dot com. Oh, wow. We're everywhere. Uh, no, there's no shortage of, of uh, things that you guys do. Good Lord. No. Too, too, too much. <laughs> One more project. I'm going to be ready to go hairline for hairline with Captain Picard. Exactly. Oh, nice. The um, and uh, you know, can you uh, let let everybody know uh, where when and where is your uh, next appearance? Um, that is a fine question. Let me get my book out because I can't keep <laughs> track of them anymore. Uh, I think our next appearance is the library. Oh, the Denver Public Library. Uh, no, it's uh, not the Denver. Let's see. It's an, uh, it looks like on Monday the 16th, we're doing a, a youth workshop at the Anything Huron Library in Thornton. Oh, cool. And then um, I'm losing track. I think there's another one somewhere in here. We're, we're yeah. doing the uh, Fort Collins Library. Oh, okay. Towards the right. end of the month. Nice. It, it, it being oh, Halloween, on, um, you guys are just chock full of, yeah. you know, your, your, your dance card is pretty yep. full up. A, uh, a particularly exciting one on Saturday, uh, October 21st in the evening nice. at uh, Four Mile Park in Denver. They're doing a oh. Spirits and Spirits Festival where you can drink and do all kinds of haunted things. Oh, cool. We are performing the Victorian-style classic seance in the attic Ooh. of the supposedly haunted Four Mile House. Wow, that's going to be cool. So that's that's an exciting one. And uh, look up the Four Mile Park. You can find tickets for that. Okay. And then there's plenty of others that I'm uh, forgetting. Oh, uh, Greeley Library on October 26th. Oh, nice. Uh, I think uh, we were just at the, the new Greeley Library uh, earlier this summer. It is amazing. They they remodeled it, and it's 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 got a whole like meow wolf section and a whole hmm. big education and and uh you know like uh um uh you know oh shoot what are they yeah what do they call those you know basically jungle gyms and stuff on the inside for all the kids interesting so yeah it was, I've, I've not seen it yet but i'm i'm thinking we might have to move our lecture into the jungle gym yeah, as one should, you know. <laughs> I, I, I think that would be uh, the neighborly thing to do. 
Oh, that's cool. And you, and you can watch Bob break his hip on the on the playground <laughs> equipment. <laughs> well, just you know, just get a surrogate, okay, kid. You know, you're, you're me. Climb up there. You know? <laughs> this is Game of Thrones rules. <laughs> uh, Bob, Brian, yeah, it's it's been nice to you know you know chat with you and and talk about the, you know the book and all your exciting adventures. I can't wait for the comic book adaptation of this uh, to come out uh, where you have your uh, your Scooby moments. Um, man, you, you, you're joking, but we're we're actually talking about that <laughs> about the, about the, a comic book version. Maybe not of the whole case files, but some kind of a comic book is it's probably a few years down the road, but we're thinking about it. Well, that's cool. I, I know a cover artist. <laughs> We know that guy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, very cool, guys. Uh, so for everybody out there, make sure you go to uh, polymathpress.com. Pick up your copy, uh, Case Files of the of uh, the Rocky Mountain Paranormal Research Society, Volume 1. And uh, when, when can we expect Volume 2, when do you think? I'm not promising, but my goal is COFO next year. Ooh, oh my God. And, and try to make that an annual tradition to, to launch at COFO, at least for the first couple of years. Nice. That's that's we'll, amazing. We'll and, see if we can get it done in time. That's that's a whole other question. Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, yeah, yeah. It's it's a big endeavor and uh, and I think well worth it. So, you know, th thank you for, you know, uh, sharing your stories and, and en enriching us with the, you know, your, your case studies. I, I think it's, uh, you know, it, it's a, a fun read. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, stick around for a few minutes while we sign off. But uh, to all our uh, all our sponsors that uh, you know support us to Mutiny Information Cafe. If you're going to start a revolution, make sure you're caffeinated. To our friends at Hellfire Entertainment, thanks for rebroadcasting us on your social media. Our friends at uh, Groovy TV, and of course uh, Alien Donut Films and uh, Angela Joseph Productions. Uh, you know, thanks for, uh, you know, supporting us and uh, my producers, Lily Fisher, Amanda Armstrong and Stefan Santa Cruz. Uh, thanks for all your help. And to everybody that tuned in. Hey, guys, happy Halloween. Have some fun. Be safe. Be good. Be kind. Help each other out during tough times and stay spooky. Have a good night, everybody. We'll see you. Well, 